Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims, so we should definitely exercise our options and not feel that uh, the way that we see ahead is the only way possible. And we are really excited to have Rachel Kaplan on the air again to give us an overview of the ninth annual San Francisco Green Film Festival, which, yeah, why? It was seems like yesterday. But it's coming up this month, September 24th through 29th. And, wow, making bold and fearless uh, statements for the planet, which often goes um sort of ignored and um, unappreciated. So, again, um, welcome so much, Rachel, for fitting us in your schedule, and congratulations on the ninth annual San Francisco Green Film Festival. Yeah, and I just love your theme. Oh, my goodness. Change begins at home. (laughs) Yeah, that that music was so beautiful, and I I love what you said about um, we all have choices to make a difference, and I I think that's that's it with our, our... uh, about our home theme this year where, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we say change begins at home, wherever that may be, and we can all make a difference. Um, and when we're looking at home, we're thinking about here in our city where we're seeing great change and, you know, struggles with housing and people being pushed out. Uh, home also is about immigration and border walls, or it's about, you know, mm-hmm. if you're an animal and you're losing your home somewhere on the planet, um so really we're we're asking these questions all the way through the festival about you know where is home and how can we make change how what can we do to protect it right and everyone yeah, you know yeah. and everyone them has a choice to make a difference so mhm so yeah, yeah yeah i yeah you're you're definitely the perfect guest um <laughs> <laughs> you know to to um you know sort of amplify you know um you know what uh, is stated in you know in that opening prayer you know for um, the African deity Eshu Legba, mm-hmm. you know that sort of stands at the crossroads and 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 you know doesn't tell you what to do but lets you know there are a lot of different directions one can take when one is at a crossroad. That's why it's called that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
So the yeah, I'd love to chat a bit more about the festival. I know that um, you've mm-hmm. seen some of the films, and we'd love to to um, talk about the what struck you about the program this year. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not nearly as prepared as I normally am, so I oh, haven't actually watched okay. any films. Oh. Um, I just really resonated with, um, you know, the title, you know, the the theme, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and there's just so much, like you mentioned, um, that's happening, you know, that's affecting, you know, um, living beings on this planet, and 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 their 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 right to safety and shelter and happiness. And and your films, you know, um, just a quick look at some of the films, you know, sort of really just sort of try not to leave any constituency, uh, you know, unexamined and and not invited, you know, to have its its viewpoint expressed, which is really great, particularly when we're talking about species that don't necessarily speak English, but they do speak and they do share mm. with us. And a lot of times, what happens to these other species? impacts us in ways that if we would have just listened, um, you know, we wouldn't be in the crisis that we are headed toward or are in, you know. We're thinking about fires and floods and, wow, and this heat, right? Like, oh, my yeah. goodness, it's been so warm. <laughs> I mean, we have and we have a number of films that are looking at all of these issues this year. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one, one film I could mention is a film called uh, Cooked, Survival by Zip Code, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, looking exactly at, at these um, sort of big climate events. We're now having extreme heat waves and floods and um, and uh, fires and how these can disproportionately affect many communities within cities. And the film's really anchored around a big heat wave um, in Chicago uh, where many people... Um, many people died you know it was a, a terrible uh, event in the city um and it's looking now at um what cities are doing across the country to try and prepare for these uh events that are taking place we know here we get we get heat we have trouble with the air quality from the fires how can we prepare ourselves when you know we're, this is going to happen possibly happen more and more in the future the film's very very thoughtful um uh, film and, and look at this challenge that many communities are facing um, across the country. Um, and uh, I think a, another film which is really about change in cities is a film called Five Blocks, which is uh, going to be a world premiere at our festival. And it's looking at transformation that's happening in Market Street right here in San Francisco. And the film's mm-hmm. following several characters over about eight years and um, how, you know, we see many tech companies moving in, as we know, in our city, and uh, many arts organizations moving in along there, and um, and many, you know, fancy restaurants. And, and we all, I think it's a really good conversation about change ever in our city right now. You know, we all want to see cleaner streets and less crime and, you know, have a nice environment. But when the needs of the existing population and people that live in neighborhoods are suddenly pushed out because um, of other people moving in. Um, You know, it creates a lot of conflict in our city, and I think this is a really great conversation, and I'm excited for this screening of Five Blocks. It's going to be at the Roxy Theater on September 29th. Mm -hmm. And and the first film you mentioned, um, Cooked, uh, that screening... um, 
uh, also at the Roxy, um, yes. September 28th, uh, yes. 6 p.m. Yeah, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, some of the films, uh, you know, sort of uh, with featuring sort of themes around the indigenous people, um, some of the films that are uh, written or produced by local um, San Francisco-based or San Francisco Bay Area-based filmmakers, and then, of course, you know, films that um, sort of look at uh, the African diaspora. Sure. Um, yeah, we um, we have a number of local stories, um, which mm-hmm. I think um, are, uh, as I mentioned, five blocks about uh, mid-market yes. street here in San Francisco. Um, we have a, ho- a program of films um, with sort of trailblazing local Ohlone leaders who are uh, Native mm. American leaders <clears throat> and women who are really trying to create pathways for um, Ohlone people to reclaim their ancestral lands here in the Bay Area because mm-hmm. um, their tribe's not recognized by our government. So what do you do if you have a home but no one recognizes it? So um, we have a program with films with incredible uh, Ohlone women that will be there. There will be song. There will be storytelling. And that's at mm-hmm. Roxy Theatre on Friday, September 27th. So I think that's going to be um, a really good event to get involved with and support our local uh, Native American communities. Um, We also have films looking at um, many food issues. We all care about food here in California, Um, looking at, um, uh, you know, issues with um, salmon and the rivers, um, which again is, um, touches on our, our Native populations, Native American populations, and um, films um, about uh, um, Latino wine growers up in Napa and Sonoma. And it's really a a story of sort of wine country's unsung heroes (laughs) and a very dramatic film because um, the terrible wildfires that happened last year happened in in the middle of the film. Um, And it's just looking at... um, uh, you know, many challenges for uh, the wine growers up in Napa and Sonoma, uh, particularly um, these incredible Latino men and women that are running their businesses up there. Um, and other local stories, um, uh, I'm sure there are many more. We do have films that are looking at what happened in the aftermath of the wildfires uh, and um, other films about um, agriculture here in the state and rivers and bees and many things to dive into. Um, mm-hmm. Other films. Yeah, I was looking. Have, yeah, I was looking yeah. at Motherload. Um, that's oh uh, yeah, that's a film that was part of the uh, San Francisco Documentary Film Festival. So it's great, you know, to see that it's here, you know, in your festivals for people to be able to um, see it again and interact with the director who. Liz Canning, who actually is um, a San Francisco Bay Area filmmaker, so that's awesome. Yeah, and this film is about um, a bicycle revolution and how bicycles may, mm-hmm. you know, are a wonderful thing in city, and particularly these cargo bikes you now get, so you can take your, you know, you can take things on the bike with you. You can uh, go to the store. You can take your kids. You can <laughs> Um, you know, it's really an alternative to having to have a car to get around. And I think it's a really, really inspiring film. So mm-hmm, happy yeah. to be showing and another a, load. Right, right. And then another another um, Bay Area filmmaker, um, and also as a California premiere, is uh, Christopher Beaver. 
And uh, he's got a film called Once Was Water, and that's going to be at the Roxy on September 29th at 6 p.m. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, this film is about, um, you know, solutions for water solution. We know we've been in a terrible drought here in our state for many years, and uh, we may have more in the future. Um, But this is going to be one of the driest places in the country, which is Las Vegas, Nevada, um, uh, which, you know, you think would, um, we, we think of Vegas and we think of all the fountains and swimming pools and golf courses and how it's just draining all this water out of, out of the, um, the river. But really we see in this film incredible solutions. They're doing some really pioneering work there to try and conserve water that I think is a great model for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. showing at Roxy on September 29th. Mhm. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, and then I I noticed um, you know you always sort of have the um, I don't know your film festival has a global um, sort of puts um, you know the environment in a global context. And mm-hmm. um, I noticed some films um, you know that are not here but you know take place in el- other places in the world. But before we do that, um, what about uh, Mossville? When great yes. trees fall, um, yeah, Alexander um, Glustrom's uh, film, and it's having its San Francisco uh, premiere, and that's going to be at the Roxy September 28th, 3.30 p.m. Tell us about that film, because that particular film and the image is on your, your brochure. Yes. Yeah, this this the image very powerful image from this film that's on all our posters and brochures this year of um, the last remaining resident of Mossville, standing in front of this really ugly-looking petrochemical plant. Um, And I think, um, you you know, we can... It it brings up images of of the refineries we have here in the Bay Area over in the Richmond and the the terrible pollution and um, that can cause Mm. for residents that live near it. But what happened in Mossville is um, several steps beyond that. um, This is a, a... um, community in uh, Louisiana, uh, which um, uh, is a centuries-old black community founded by people who have mm. previously been enslaved, a very vibrant community with uh, deep roots and ancestry and history, but really it's just been contaminated completely by these horrible, uh, these terrible petrochemical plants and businesses that have moved in all around them. Um, and um, pushed everybody out, uh, destroyed this community, ripped it apart. Everybody's lost their ancestral home. Um, but there's one man who doesn't want to give up. He's our, our hero that's on our, our, the cover of our program this year, uh, and he is fighting these toxic uh, petrochemical plants. He's refusing to leave. Uh, we really see him. He literally is the last house <laughs> surrounded by um, 14 of these big plants. And I think this is just a really, really uh, important story to bear witness to, to um, see the terrible um, injustice that's being, um, uh, you know, that's happening um, for the community of Mossville. Um, and also to be inspired by this man and the, that he won't give up his fight. Uh, so that Mossville screening um, at Roxy Theatre, September 28th, 
Um, there's also a discussion event around the film, uh, which is a free oh. event that's happening across the street at Manny's um, at mm-hmm. 1 o'clock on that, uh, September 28th. It's a Saturday. Uh, and we have um, pe- people that were involved in making the film here, and they'll be talking about um, the process of putting the story together. And um, it's a really great discussion to come along and get involved with. So that's okay. most So, um, yeah, and so um, who is the uh, protagonist, the last man? Um, uh, Stacy. Stacy. So is Stacy going to – I don't see that Stacy's coming in any of the literature. Is Stacy going to be present, or does he have to stay put so that he has a place to return to when he, like – because, you know, sometimes you can't leave, otherwise when you're gone, things will happen. That means you can't return. Um, or so, yeah, so he's not he going to be with us, but with the executive producer, Michelle Lanier, is going to be with us. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. is um, a really uh, incredibly um, interesting and uh, forceful person. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a really wonderful discussion with her. Um so uh, Michelle Lanier will definitely be here and other people that have been involved in making the film and putting the story together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, did he want to come or he can't come? I mean, I was just wondering, sort of. I don't. Um, I mean, I don't know the situation. I'm from Louisiana and so ah, I'm definitely going to look up his place. <laughs> I'm like, I, d- I think it was yeah, from um, New Orleans. just to do with I think it was just to do with schedule. Um okay. but uh, definitely um Michelle Lani who's the um executive producer who's coming is mm-hmm. um uh has an um a background in um she's worked in for North Carolina African American Heritage Commission. Um, she's um, worked in other. Uh, she was the first African American director of in Northern uh, for um, state-owned historic sites in Northern Carolina, and she um, has done a lot of um, work uh, with um, an organization called Documentarians of African Descent Alliance. So she's got this incredible, um, I think. Uh, expertise and interesting stories to share about um about storytelling around these around um stories from the south um around mm-hmm. african american stories um and you know her background is in yeah storytelling making documentary so i think it's going to be a really really interesting discussion with michelle um so i invite everyone to come and get involved and that's at the 1 p.m. Is that the pre? Um, like yeah. for instance, the film yeah. starts at 3:30, and so the 1 p.m. Yes. that includes um, Michelle Lanier's um, uh, participation in, um, I guess, the panel discussion. Yes, yes. So, so there'll be a conversation okay. beforehand, and that's a pre-event at mm-hmm. one, and then the screenings at 3:30. Okay. Okay. Wow, that's too bad it's not in the program because people would, like, miss it because they'll be oh, <laughs> coming to the program. And then you know how usually there's a talk after. <laughs> yes, like, there'll be a talk after. Well. Well. <laughs> yeah, but this one here is, you know, 1 o'clock. That's, that's a long conversation beforehand that could happen. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's nice. Wow, wow. 
this is great. Um, yeah, you just have such gems, you know, in your festival, Thank and you. just like, wow, it's. I don't know. Are you like the biggest film festival of your type in the country? Uh, we are um, the. We are definitely the uh, largest environmental film festival on the West Coast. We have a sister festival okay. in Washington D.C., which has been around oh. much longer, and we work closely with them. Uh, and mm-hmm. we see other green film festivals popping up all over the place in Philadelphia and Boston and Portland and uh, all across the country. And I think it's it's great. I think it's a really direct and fun and entertaining and way and sometimes heartbreaking as well to come and learn something and meet like-minded people and get involved in these conversations mm-hmm. about the things we all care about. Right, yeah. Well, I have a couple of films I want you to talk about, and then I want to give you time to talk about the panels and also Mm -hmm. this app that people can download as they Uh. walk around. They can see what's going on in the Mm. environment. And then you have, like, looks like some dance parties and real fun things happening. (laughs) I want you to be able to share that. Um, But I want to ask you about a couple more films, and they are, um, let's see, uh, Kafaru, because that rhino looks Kind of sad. Um, Silent Forest, yeah. <laughs> um, Tribe, let's see, Silent Forest, Walden, and Walden because, you know, the, the rainforest is burning right now, and people probably are really mm-hmm. sort of thinking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Golden Fish, African Fish. Well, I'll start with we've got um, a number of films out of um, stories coming out of Africa this year, which I think are all completely um compelling and I'll mention a couple of them you, you mentioned Silent Forests this is a film mm-hmm. about um uh conservationists <clears throat> and activists who are really struggling to stop the poaching of forest elephants in Africa's mm-hmm. uh Congo basin um and um but I think what's uh, we see many different characters in this film who are doing incredible work uh, to stop the elephant poaching uh, and uh, protect these in- amazing animals, but I, I, for me, one of the uh, uh, what's really exciting in the film is we see Cam- some Cameroon's first female eco guards, which is an all-women mm. wildlife law enforcement group, and these are courageous women that are out there trying to stop the poachers. And I, I think it's really, really. Um, interesting to see what they're doing and important for us to, to know about it so we can support their work. And Kifaru is also about protecting uh, courageous people who are protecting um, threatened animals. And um, it's about rhino caretakers in Kenya um, who are fighting to protect the last northern white rhinos um, from becoming extinct. And again, following um, these uh, these these men and and the, the terrible challenges and their bravery and their compassion and their their love for these animals. So I think um, two films that I'd really would recommend um, taking a look at. Uh, and you mentioned the um, the, um, the the Brazilian Amazon right now. As we see on the news, terrible wildfires happening there, and we have a couple of films that are looking at um, what's happening in the Amazon. Uh, and I think there's a film. The, there's a film we have San Francisco premiere called Tribes on the Edge. It's um, yes. directed by uh, Celine Cousteau, who is the granddaughter of 
Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau? Uh, Seriously? So, oh, yeah, so I'm going to touch your hand, right? Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> with this, you know, family legacy of exploration mm-hmm. and um, caring for yes. the environment. She And she goes into Brazilian Amazon, and she's looking at what's happening there with the with, with the tribes who are on the front line. This is other another view of home and people that are being pushed out of their home, um, which is the rainforest. Uh, and she spends time and looks at, um, you know, the traditional way of life and what's happening there right now. And Celine, um, that film is Roxy, showing at Roxy on September 29th at the afternoon, 3.15. And Celine Cousteau is going to be there to um, answer your oh, questions after the film. Mm-hmm. And that's a long film. It's 100 minutes. So yes, we really a get a nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Silent Forest is ninety minutes. Um, you know, in comparison to Mosswood, when Great Trees Falls is only seventy-six minutes. So, wow, hundred minutes. You really get a chance to really immerse yourself. I, I would presume, you know, in 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 the uh, the culture and the people and and what's happening there. It's nice when you I think when you can really sort of take a journey like that. I think that's absolutely right. Yes. Um, you know, we can see things in the news segment, or or, or read maybe read something in the in the news, but um, see something on our social media. But when you really can spend that amount of time in someone else's shoes, you know, completely immersed in their world, whether it's Stacy fighting the petrochemical plants in Mossville, Louisiana, or it's the eco women who are the eco guards of these elephants in the Congo, or um, you know, other other people, uh, the stories we have, the Ohlone leaders here who are fighting in San Francisco for recognition. Um, I think, you know, it gives you just a completely different different perspective um, uh, and, and, and connection to different people around the world. So I'm, I'm excited about um, these uh, journeys we can take people on at the festival and also um, the conversations we can get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, tell us about panels and more, um, and about that application that people can um, can can download and sort of make their their step more mindful. You know, every step mm-hmm. they take will be a lot more mindful. Um, and uh, yeah, and and sort of give the website again and give all the venues again. And I know you have. A lot of free programs. You had so many collaborations last year with the San Francisco uh, Public Library. The main library was mm-hmm. one of the venues where you were showing films. Um, you know, I mean, and I'm sure there was a march that was happening last year, mm-hmm. and the festival was right well, there. You know, <laughs> <on> the edge. <laughs> it's like, okay. There's a lot. There's yeah, a, lot, a lot of things. great stuff <laughs> this year as well because yeah. we're, you know, more than movies. It's 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 a movement. As, as you yes. as you mentioned, uh, and we mm-hmm. do so. Our main venues for screenings are the Castro Theater and the Roxy Theater, um, where we have screenings uh, going all week. Uh, but then there's a lot of other stuff happening too, and many of the events are free. We have an activist hub, which is uh, an activist center is right around the corner from Roxy Theater at um, 518 Valencia Street, and uh, we um, have um, other non-profit partners, community allies who will be there. Uh, you can meet with, you can find out about local campaigns and causes. Um, we have art there. We have um, ways to get involved. 
petitions, we have filmmaker discussions and panels, and all the events there are free. So that's from Friday 27th through Sunday 29th at 518 Valencia is our activist center. And across the street at Manny's, um, which is a venue on the corner at 16th and Valencia, we have um, all day Saturday 28th and Sunday 29th, we have panel events happening. Um, which are free events. Um, we mentioned the conversation around Mossville. There is also a conversation around the film Cooked, I mentioned, about the, the heat waves and how this is impacting people in cities. We have a Youth Voices panel. I'm really excited. Um, this is a week. Uh, our festival next week is um, a week of uh, global youth action for climate, and there'll be various marches and other um, events happening um, globally. Uh, so we're excited to bring some of the youth activists in to talk about their work. Uh, and we have a film about um, uh, dis other discussions about place and change in our cities uh, again. And you mentioned, uh, um, so all those programs are free at Manny's. Um, and then um, we also have the app that you mentioned, and this is um, really to explore... Um, the hidden city, the San Francisco that we don't see. You can download this um, app and um, it then um, do a sort of self-guided walking tour in areas, areas of the city, such as in the Fillmore. And the app's going to bring up history. It's going to show you things. You're going to hear things um, that are invisible when you're just walking down the street. So it's a really a way to sort of um, enhance your experience of being in a place, being in parts of our city. Um, and there are details of how to download that app from our website, which is greenfilmfest.org. <laughs> wow, super. Well, you have definitely given us a wonderful tour um, through the San Francisco Green Film Festival, the ninth annual such festival, um, really yeah, I'm really happy that you have been able to keep it going with, you know, yourself and, and your other members of the team. And, again, it's happening September 24th through 29th. And, uh, yeah, it just looks so fabulous. Um, in closing, is there anything that you didn't share about this wonderful festival that's coming up very shortly? Uh, it's um, just come and see some films, get involved. Tickets are completely free for youth and students. Uh, you can request those through our box office. So we hope many people will come and get involved in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing the work. It's, you know, really, really admirable, and it's such such a pleasure, you. Um, you know, always speaking to you, and thank you for fitting us in your schedule, and I'm looking forward to seeing these films and seeing you in, Great. Uh, in the theater. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Wanda. All right. You take good care. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good rest of Bye. the day. Mm -hmm. Peace. Peace and blessings. Well, good morning, um, Mr. Alonzo Washington and uh, Brother Michael Kubaka Harris. How are both of you? Doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I can hear some talking in the background. Um, uh, I'm not sure which, where it's coming from, but I just wanted to let you know that, that I hear something. Um, 
Yeah, really excited that both of you all are joining us to talk about the African Global Trade and Investment Conference that's coming up you know, next month in Sacramento. And um, I didn't see that either of you um, sent me a bio. So maybe, um, you know, as we talk about um, the African Global Trade and Investment Conference, maybe you could tell us a little bit about about yourselves, and um, I think you're, you're um, I don't know if you are the lead organizer, um, Mr. Washington. Um, I think that's what yeah, you told point, me. Yeah, my, to you. In fact, we're, yeah, I'm the, I'm the lead, and my co, my, my partner is on the other end of the line. Okay, um, okay, all right. He's been, <laughs> he's been, he's been with us uh, doing this conference, I believe, since we started nine years ago. <clears throat> And um Ooh, ninth annual. By the way, wow. I, yeah, the ninth annual one. Yeah, we started in LA and mm-hmm. uh one of it just so happens that one of our, our keynote speaker was Merv Donald. And and um we the goal of the conference at that time has been and continues to be uh promoting uh expansion the expansion of trade and investment along with cultural relations with Africa and the Caribbean. And the mm-hmm. focus is on the Pan-African diaspora uh, uh, and its relationship, ongoing relationship with Africa and the Caribbean. So we've tried to bring in uh, international, I mean, international trade and investment uh, because normally when they have these events, people talk about culture or the arts. Uh mm-hmm. But on the when we started this nine years ago, we felt it was necessary to focus, begin to focus on trade uh, and investment, uh, so that we could look at um, uh, creating programs that benefit both uh, our Africans wherever they are in the world, uh, and um, as well as the relationship that exists between the U.S. and Africa. So we're trying to expand and improve it, improve it and uh, make more opportunities available uh, to the conference. Mm -hmm. And and when is the conference and where is the conference? Well, right now the conference is scheduled to occur on the campus of Cal State Sacramento, and it looks like we're also going to close out the the conference at the state capitol on the last day. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the way things are going so far, and um, I'm, my right-hand man on the other end can explain that to you uh, even more than I can because he's been very instrumental in helping us get this thing where it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read the Kabaka. So, um, yeah, tell us about, about the conference and, um, and and your relationship and how you and um, – uh, Mr. Washington, um, you know, got together to do this. But also, if you could tell us the dates of the conference. Yes, uh, the date of the conference is October the 15th through the 17th. And in Sacramento, California, we start the conference downtown in the brand-new CSUS, uh, California State University, Sacramento, the downtown center, which is, you know, one of the brand-new uh, LEED certified buildings in downtown uh, in the capital of the fifth-largest economy on the planet. And as I was suggesting, the idea to bring high-level business, trade, and investment 
to California, and more specifically this year, in the California State Capitol, uh, will change uh, the stature of African trade and the Caribbean uh, in the foreseeable future for the state of California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, how does this translate, um, you know, in into... Um, uh, into what you're going to be presenting. I, I noticed that there are a lot of speakers that are going to be um, presenting, you know, over the uh, um, over the days of of the conference. And um, I was just wondering, sort of, uh, some of the threads and and what are some of your hopeful outcomes um, for the conference? And who who are you looking to to have come? Well, the, the opportunity is open to the the Pan-African population as a whole, because we feel that whether you're young or old, whether you have a business or don't have a business, you need to be aware of the opportunities that exist for trade and investment in Africa. And we also want to make sure that the people from the continent uh, and the Caribbean also understand the opportunities for trade and investment in California. So it's, it's not limited to any one segment of the population, even though it does have a business focus. The, but the important thing about the conference that I think people need to keep in mind is that for this year, one of our partners is going to be the governor's office. The governor's office of business and economic development is a partner in this and is in fact going to have us uh, make a presentation during the conference to explain its current international trade program. And they're going to do that in collaboration with the U.S. Department of Commerce. So the goal will be to basically let people know that the state of California does have an international trade program and that there are opportunities through that program for people to get involved in international trade. And the the goal then would be to also work uh, in collaboration with the African Union Ambassador to the United States who is going to be coming here from Washington, D.C. on the second day of the conference. And she will be coming with the idea of presenting the um, uh, what is a unique opportunity that exists in the continent that is based upon the establishment of what is called an African Continental Free Trade Area, in which all of the uh, African nation states are basically coming together as one market. So this is an historic event. She's going to come to explain that and uh, then explain how the the state of California can and should take advantage of this opportunity to uh, market its products in Africa, also to import from Africa, but also basically to establish a trade relationship through the African Union with the entire continent of Africa. So the she's going to come, and we look. We're hoping that we'll we'll finalize the arrangements to have her meet with the lieutenant governor and uh, talk about how they can begin to establish an ongoing relationship that will benefit both the continent of Africa and the state of California uh, from this point forward. So we'll be talking about how to make that happen. And uh, every, anyone who is interested uh, on the basis of whether they just have a general interest or a business interest or an investment interest, uh, feel free to come. We'd love to have you there. And the website allows you to register online if you want to at panafricanglobaltradeconference.com or you can come pay at the door whichever is more convenient for you 
but uh, we're making the conference very affordable. It's only $30 for the entire conference. And the students who, are, who go to school at Cal State Sacramento. So uh, our goal is to try to fill the, fill the house. We're trying to get about at least 300 people there. Uh, and the more the merrier, but at least 300. And then we will grow it from there. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Brother Kubaka, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of your excitement around around the uh, the conference, and um, yeah, because you've been telling us about it, and uh, yeah, and um, and if this is your ninth your ninth one, wow, your ninth edition, um, what's new about this one? And, uh, well, what's and yeah, talk new about your about excitement. This one? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the, the excitement, you know, I'm trying to taper my excitement, but it, it's, for me, it's <laughs> a, a new beginning uh, because, mm. uh, you know, I personally have been able to go to New York and, you know, be a part of the activity at the United Nations, be a part of, you know, embassies and just talking to, you know, some very powerful people just like, you know, just human beings. Uh, be in D.C. like today is uh, the Congressional Black Caucus weekend and, uh, Barbara Lee is hosting an Africa Brain Trust all day long in the convention center in Washington, D.C., and be able to uh, interact with people from around the planet at a high level. That has been missing in the capital of the fifth largest economy. And so we don't have to talk about it anymore. People don't have to imagine what it's like. They'll be able to experience it and be immersed in it at a college where we're going to intentionally feature a 13-year-old middle school student who uh, by the end of this conference will have a multi-million dollar business saving people uh, from dying by having a healthy heart. And so it would be real easy for not only college students, but also middle school students to say, hey, wait a minute, Uh, I can participate in this global economy. Excuse me, um, Kabaka, wait a second. Kabaka, there's just like a whole lot of noise (laughs) that's um, sort of interfering with your your, – what you're saying. So I don't know where the noise is coming from. It's like electronic kind of noise. Um, it's not people noise. So, um, yeah, I'm having a lot of, of lot of... Somewhere, so I don't know where that is, where that's coming from. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but I, so I couldn't hear you really well. <laughs> oh, well, what, what, what I'm saying, the activity and the excitement um, mm-hmm. is because of the opportunity that this conference affords uh, from a seasoned multi mo- multinational corporation all the way down to a middle school uh, student will be able to come and experience a high-level Africa trade conference with the ambassador of the Africa Union, with the governor's office, with the lieutenant governor, probably the controller, the treasurer, uh, Congress people, uh, assembly people, senators, as well as just regular folks. And, you know, of course, there'll be high-level discussions behind the scenes, but out in the open, in the public, in the fifth largest economy on the planet will be Africa on the main stage as the center focus. That's never happened in the 170 years of the the state of California. When initially, 170 years ago, just, you know, in a couple of days, will be the 170th anniversary when the governor said, let's export everybody black out the state when we were eliminated from being citizens in the state of California. It's never happened, 
And now uh, I say we're fulfilling biblical prophecy because it is the 400 year of return. Just so happens to be homecoming at Sac State, and we're taking homecoming all mm-hmm. the way back to that. Nice, nice, yeah, awesome, awesome. So tell us about about some of the speakers um, besides this wonderful young person. Did you give us her name? Um, who's going to be talking oh. about how to safeguard our heart health? Yeah, Savannah Carmu is uh, mm-hmm. healthy heart, and it's online. Mm-hmm. You could Google it. Uh, her she, her bio is featured very prominently with everybody else's bio on the uh, website, uh, and we'll certainly have that link. Uh, on the uh, program uh, archive, but the the, the idea mm-hmm. that we have a child uh, from the Liberian crisis, and I'm saying crisis because mm-hmm. the Civil War is over, but it's still a crisis in Liberia, mm-hmm. a war-torn nation that has a unparalleled uh, connection with the United States, and it's being treated, uh, let's just say, less than fairly, in my personal opinion, and we can look at the data and it will, you know, ferret that out by anybody that has any sort of standard of humanity. But the idea that uh, what we do at the highest level, the president of Liberia will be here in the United States uh, later this month. Um, What he does Mm -hmm. in his country impacts not only Liberians, but Africans all over the planet. Uh, Some people may remember the flags of convenience. Uh, where Liberian ships carry goods and services all around the world, and we just don't know. And that's what we're going to be able to find out now that we have uh, the Africa-U.S. Chamber of Commerce um, as well as our collaborative partners working together. And, and, and I'm going to be silent. I'm mindful that I'm, I'm talking more than the pastor, so I probably should be quiet. Oh, so you're a pastor too. Okay. <laughs> so tell us, tell Al Washington us. is a pastor. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, so tell us about your ministry, um, uh, Mr. Washington. Is this a part of your ministry? Um, you know, this this work um, in uh, sort of economic um, uh, justice and economic um, sovereignty uh, of the African diaspora folks. Well, maybe that was him being dropped off because uh, maybe he'll call back in. So let me see. Um, just a second. Not in that window. Um, oh, no, he's there. Um, yeah, he's still in the studio. But I don't hear him. Yeah, that that might be the technical glitch we were dealing with. Oh, okay. Yeah, Al, Al Washington okay. is uh, an associate pastor at the AME Church, First AME Church in Los Angeles, uh, kind of on oh, okay. the forefront of many mm-hmm. uh, social movements in California, going back to the Gold Rush era where Biddy Mason mm-hmm. uh, was enslaved and walked out here behind the Mormon uh, uh, pioneers and was able to get mm-hmm. her freedom and able to become one of the most wealthiest women or I should say women, wealthiest people of African descent uh, in Los Angeles. And because of her uh, philanthropic efforts, there is a church called the AME uh, Church, First AME in Los Angeles, and the impact has been felt all over California. Here I am. um, Um, I had muted the the phone so you wouldn't hear hear any noise. Um, You had asked about 
who would be speaking. And I wanted to kind of give you an idea of who will be there. Um, Okay. First off, the vice president of Cal State University, Sacramento, will be there to welcome people along with Gary May, who's the chancellor for the University of California, Davis. And uh, we're very interested in both those campuses because there is a a Center for Conflict Resolution that's run by a, uh, Ernest Uwazi at Cal State San Sacramento, and it will, it will be featuring at the conference to talk about conflict resolution as a way towards peace and economic development. And then Gary May, the University of Davis, is actually uh, heading up a uh, pilot program to grow uh, a wheat called TIF that is grown in Ethiopia, but that we're looking at a pilot program to actually grow that TIF here in Southern California. Mm. And so mm. we'll be featuring that project, which is being headed up by a beautiful young woman from Ethiopia called Zion, uh, and I'm going to mess up her last name, uh, Arko, who is the founder of Sheba Farms LLC, and she's also the owner of the uh, Queen of Sheba restaurant in Sacramento. But she's mm-hmm. working with uh, the UC Davis to actually build a pilot, a crop of, of uh, TEF that is going to be um, expanded so that we'll actually start growing TEF here and in Ethiopia uh, mm-hmm. in the very near future. And then, of course, the African Union ambassador to the U.S. will be coming to talk about what's happening on the continent and opportunities that exist and her interest in it's hooking up with the state of California. And then the governor's office will be represented through the uh, governor's office of business and economic development. And they're currently working with us now to, to not only promote the conference, but to also um, make a presentation at the conference about the, the international trade program that currently exists. Uh, and it actually has been in, in place for a while. Uh, we also have a, uh, some people coming here from the continent. We pray God that the, Government, I mean, that the, the the State Department is not going to give them problems getting visas, but we have received commitments to come here to join us from the, the Congo. We have four representatives from the Democratic Republic of the Congo that are planning to come. We have a representative from Uganda who's coming. He's the CEO of a company called Blue Nile Limited. We've got a gentleman from Liberia who's already here in place already, thank God. He has a, place, a company called Save More Kids. <laughs> He'll be making a, comp- a presentation. Uh, we have uh, a James Olmsted, who's the professor of strategy and international law, who's making a presentation on the new uh, African trade agreement. We've got Ed Lombard, who's the president and CEO of the California Black Chamber. We've got him coming to talk about how the chamber will, will be getting involved. And then a lady named Christine Wachira just signed on board, and she's, she's, she actually has a winery called, it's headed up by the the Wachira Group. She's going to talk about her winery company, whether she makes wine that she wants to export uh, throughout the world. And then there's a lady named Jennifer White who will be here, who is actually going to be talking about leading trade missions to the continent. And she has a company called Sisters Circle, which actually, where she focuses on getting women uh, to grow their businesses both here in the U.S. for to do trade and, and uh, commerce. And there's also a professor coming here from Nigeria who will be focusing on youth entrepreneurship. His name is Professor Chris Easy. So far, so mm-hmm. good. We, we don't have any indication that he won't be, he'll be able to get his visa. 
And nice. then we're looking forward to having uh, representation from Kenya. Uh, mm-hmm. We had I was told that they're trying to put together a delegation to come, and I'm going to be uh, confirming that today, hopefully. And uh, uh, that is in a nutshell. Oh, also, we're going to have a fashion show. A uh, lady named Samantha mm-hmm. Wall Ladler, who's based there in Sacramento, she's going to give us a fashion show uh, as part of the conference. Uh, just before lunch on the first, I think it's on the first day. Yeah. So that's an example of the kind wow. of thing. There's also a gentleman coming here from Africa who has an art gallery, and he wants to come with uh, with uh, some of his artifacts to display at the conference. Mm-hmm. He's coming out of Nigeria, and he's committed mm-hmm. to come. And again, we're waiting to have his okay that he got his visa. But he's he's called me and told me that he's planning to be here and hopefully he's, he, his interview will get past his interview and he'll be here. So, But that's a sampling mm-hmm. of the kind of thing what we're going to want to do on an ongoing basis uh, every year that we do the conference. And um, mm-hmm. things go well this year. We're probably we'll operating out of Sacramento uh, from, from this time forward uh, at least as far as the near future is concerned. Oh, oh that's excellent. Yeah, so I was wondering, um, you know, since this is your ninth, uh, your ninth annual, and I was looking at some photographs, and so you do have a team. I was wondering, sort of, um, after the conference, are there local initiatives, you know, within the state of California, um, connected to some of the international guests that, you know, one can continue. Um, you know the the conversation and and yeah. and and sort of building some of these these connections. And if so, then over the nine years, you probably have had some of these things happen. And I was wondering if you could maybe share maybe a few of these um, uh, these alliances that developed in you know within the conf- you know within the context of these conferences that you all have been hosting for you know eight now nine years. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we've been able to do is we have an ongoing relationship with the Office of the African Union representative to the United States. Uh, they established mm-hmm. the office during during our second year uh, during the conference, and the first mm-hmm. AU ambassador, Amin Ali, spoke at our third conference. But we had a we have a permanent relationship with them, so we were able to maintain that relationship to get the current AU ambassador here. So that that has, that was established as a result of the conference. We also helped the city of Los Angeles establish a sister port relationship with the port of Durban mm. Uh, mm. during our fourth year. So we had represent, representatives from Durban meet with representatives from the port of L.A., and they actually signed a sister port relationship that year, uh, which I believe is still in effect uh, at this point. We also helped a group from Nigeria uh, obtain some funding from the Nigerian government to build to do a housing project uh, uh, in Nigeria, and we've also have uh, worked with a, a local uh, uh, a vendor here in Southern California, Bonnie James and Associate, and he currently has contracts in Nigeria to do infrastructure development projects, but he obtained he was able to do that through the conference. Um, he attended the conference, made a presentation, and we hooked him up with some people, folks in Nigeria. He signed a contract, and he's been working in Nigeria ever since. Um, so those are examples of the kind of things that we, we try to do for people uh, on an ongoing basis through the conference. 
and uh, something that we we're going to keep going, keep doing. Because this year, because of the governor's office, we're going to feature uh, three essential activities. One, the governor's office has a has a program for international, I mean, for finance, financing uh, investments that they're going to talk about. So we'll be we'll be able to learn about the current status of that foreign direct investment program, their EB five program, and how that how that operates to encourage bilateral trade and investment throughout the world. Uh, we all, they also have a program for small businesses called um, the STEP program, and we'll be able to use to not only acquaint people with that program, but to also begin to develop policies that program they'll make sure that the state of California becomes more supportive for small businesses here in Southern California who want to do business in Africa and that includes among other things leading trade missions to con- to the African continent or to the Caribbean uh, for the purposes of establishing trade relationships and then um, we there's an, another program that we're going to try to develop that's centered around uh, edu- education where we're going to try to uh, establish uh, relationships between universities and uh, community colleges that will provide opportunities for cross-cultural uh, education so that we'll not only have an opportunity to, to uh, train uh, and educate people here, but also receive uh, uh, students from the continent, from the Caribbean, to do education and training uh, here as well. But we'll also be able to send people to the continent to do training as well. So we want to establish those, that, those type of relationships where, where, say, a student here could go to a college in, in Africa, and there are colleges in Africa, by the way, um, that, uh, <laughs> that, are, that, that are excellent training facilities. And uh, mm-hmm. they would be a, it would be a good experience for them to not only go to school there, but also just to, just to go back home and, and see what it's like to live with, with our people uh, because the African people are our people. Uh, and we need to kind of remind ourselves of that, that we are an African people. And uh, it, it's helpful to go back home every now and then and just get a feel for what it's like to be amongst our people in, in, in nations that are actually run by people who look like us. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a liberating experience. And, 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 and uh, Mike will tell you, because we took Mike to South Africa on his first trip to Africa. Mike got off the plane and kissed the ground. <laughs> Come on, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, it was a great experience, but then, but then we lost sight of him because Michael just started running around doing what Michael does, you know. So we 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 caught him with him a couple of days later, <laughs> and uh, he, had, he had been to farms and and then and was visiting people and just being Michael and he, and he, but it was a freeing a freeing experience and a great experience for all of us, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was the kind of things that those are the kind of initiatives that we um, we want to establish where we expand the governor's current program so that it actually begins to address uh, our needs and and our interests. Right. Yeah. What year was that, um, Kubaka, um, that you all um, were in uh, in South Africa? Oh, Lord. Let's just say 12 years ago, right in there. Okay, so yeah, it's and, been a minute. Uh, okay, yeah, it's time for you to go yeah, back and visit again, huh? Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will tell you, I've I've turned down several trips uh, to go back to Africa because uh, 
the space that I was in, uh, I wanted to implement. Like what we're doing now is to implement systemic change. You know, it's okay right. for me personally to benefit, but I wasn't confident that, you know, when I come back to Sacramento, come back to Northern California, people, you know, got their hands on their hips, sucking their teeth, they don't believe it. Now it's a different story. I'll probably be living back, you know, uh, on the continent six months out of the year and actually actuating for real business, tangible business, being able to uh, make effective public policy changes that not only benefit all 55 nations in Africa, but the 15 nations in the Caribbean in seamless laser beam focus with what they're doing, the Africa Union, with what Karen Bass is doing right now uh, in the Africa Brain Trust in Washington, D.C., and what's happening in the California State Capitol. Just yesterday, uh, this is the, today is the last day of the California legislative session. Africa will forever be at a higher stature. I mean, there's people there have been talking about it. Current Price, uh, Dr. Shirley Weber, talking about Africa, but it hasn't been in a public policy arena talking about business, trade, and development. If you go to the Secretary of State, you're not going to get data on Africa. You go to the Controller's Office, you go to the Treasurer's Office, you go to the Governor's Office. Right now, today, you're not going to get what we're doing in Africa. And so instead of, you know, one or two people talking about it, uh, it's a systemic, for real, business relationship like any other business, like any other nation has. And the best example of that is there's a bust of Mervyn Dimely, Honorable Mervyn M. Dimely, in the, cal- in the hallway when you on the first floor of the Capitol, right next to the governor's office. Just unheard of. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a secret room in the assembly uh, chambers for Willie Brown, but this is right downstairs. Everybody that comes to the Capitol has to walk by Mervyn Dimely and read and see what he was about, and that is a symbolic symbol, so powerful that most people do, will not understand until they see it in public policy. Implemented mm-hmm. in their daily yeah. life. Yeah, you all have mentioned um, uh, Mr. Dimely um, more than once. If you could tell our audience who he is and why he's important um, to California history, and I guess history of this nation. Well, well, I guess the most important know. thing, the most important thing for for me is I remember I remember Merv, that Mervyn Dimely was the first. Black Lieutenant Governor for the state of California, uh, he in, in which was a groundbreaking event because um, no one, when he first ran, thought he had the the political acumen to even uh, gain that type of uh, position. But he moved from being um, a Lieutenant Governor to actually being in the state assembly. He he. Uh, 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 also was a representative in Washington, but the amazing thing about Mervyn is that he was also um, a Pan-Africanist and uh, and without shame. And so he often led people on trade missions to uh, Africa and to the Caribbean throughout his life. And I was privileged to attend one of those trade missions. I went with him to go to uh, South America. We went to Suriname and to uh, uh, Venezuela, uh, with him as the lead person in the uh, in the, in the delegation, and um, but uh, he his his 
he's probably he's probably he was an elder statesman and not only as a as a diplomat but also as a elected official and really highly respected nationally and internationally um when he, when he passed away uh, about 3 or 4 years ago uh, the church was full with overflowing, and people were trying to get in the standing room only. That's how well known he was, and and we were very fortunate to have him as a as our first keynote speaker at our first uh, conference uh, when we started back in 2010, um, which was an interesting story in itself because the original keynote speaker uh, was supposed to be the African Union ambassador, and she didn't make it, and and Mervyn came to the conference. And so I walked up to him and said, ask him if he would do a keynote speech, and he just got up and did it. <laughs> okay. That's the kind of person he was. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's nice. Uh-huh. No, that's really the kind of person he was. He was just that type of a person. He was real, for real, down to earth, and, uh, you know, it, with no pretense at all about it. So when, when you met Mervyn Diamond, that's who he was. He, 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 didn't, he didn't put on any show or anything. He was a really good man. So, um, and, and if it, all you got to do is Google, Google his name. And you'll learn more about him. Uh, he's, he's, I'm sure he's in the history books and, and on the internet somewhere. A uh, great person. So we're glad to do well, this, as, among other things, to honor his memory. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. oh, I also yeah, want to mention, um, before you give your personal note, uh, yeah, just a second. I, I want to also um, ask if perhaps we can have you on again, um, you know, closer to um, the. Uh, the conference to talk some more about some new developments and things like that, because you know this is definitely not an exhaustive um, conversation. Absolutely. Right. In fact, yes. in fact, what we're going to want to we're planning to establish an a, an office, of, a Pan African Office of Trade and Investment here in Sacramento, as part of the initiative. So we'll be using that office to actually um, further the initiatives that come out of the conference. And uh, to add new ones to it. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that we'll, we'll hope to do is to keep is to not only keep you abreast of how that office is developing, but for that matter, have you involved in the development of the office and the initiatives we're going to be trying to develop uh, after the conference. Okay, cool. Um, so Kabaka, go ahead and give your personal because my next guests are in the studio waiting to come on okay. the air. Well, it kind of ties uh, into what we do every year in October. Uh, the Ma'afa, mm-hmm. honoring our ancestors and honoring, commemorating those that were lost in the Middle Passage. So, you know, yes. Merv, as I call him, uh, uh, he was instrumental in uh, developing the strategy where we were able to get the leg- California legislature to honor the African founding fathers of California who built the Port of San Francisco, who built the first public mm. school in California, who owned 35,000 acres of land in Sacramento, uh, whose steamship is on the California State Field. So the things that our brothers and sisters have done in the California legislature, the first elected treasurer uh, in San Francisco, uh, the things that have been done uh, in the past, we can do that today again, standing on the shoulders of the Honorable William Alexander Lightesdorf, Jr., standing on the shoulders of Honorable Mervyn M. Diamond and many others. Uh, and so it's, it's not anything new. The challenge is nobody knows about it. And so we're the mm-hmm. best kept mm-hmm. secret contributions of people of African descent in the entire state of California. And this conference will forever change the stature of people of African descent 
in the state of California for the next 170 years. No doubt about it. Mm. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I want to let our audience know um, that you can find out more about the Ma'afa commemoration by visiting com, And the ritual is on Sunday, October 13th, um, pre-dawn at Ocean Beach, Fulton at the Great Highway. Yeah. Well, as always, you know, a wonderful edifying conversation, you know, when when I'm able to be in your presence, um, Brother Kubaka and and um, Mr. Washington. Wow. Looking forward to making your, your acquaintance. But it's been really wonderful talking to you as well. And look forward to um, another conference, be- another conversation before the conference and looking forward to attending the conference. Um, Got to figure out how to do that because I have a day job. But um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Thanks for doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. The conference website is panafricanglobaltradeconference.com, and by going to that website, you'll have current information about where we are in developing the conference. You'll see the current speakers and the schedule, and you'll also be able to register online to attend the conference. Uh, we ask that you support it. Uh, we get people there. We're going to focus on the community as our sponsors this year. And uh, hopefully with the community support, we'll be able to expand it to get more corporate support in the years to come. Uh, the good thing about it is we start with the support of the California Chamber, the Governor's Office, the U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, the California Black Chamber, uh and uh, a number of local uh, business, uh, uh, the California California State University, Sacramento. Uh, it's a good start to get rolling for what we want to do in out-of-state capital from this point forward. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, you all have a good rest of the day, and good luck on the planning um, and, you know, pulling all the loose ends together for this wonderful ninth edition of, of this great African Global Trade and Investment Conference coming up in Sacramento, um, October 15th through 17th. You take good care. Thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. All right. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much, um, uh, Shannon uh, Jetson, Artistic Director, and Samantha. How do you pronounce your last name? Peace. Spies, okay, artistic director yeah. of Urban Bush Women, to talk about right, and I'm the Shanon. show. Pardon me. And I'm Shannon. Say it again. Shannon Jetson. Oh, Shannon. Oh, thank you, Shannon. Yep. Shannon Jetson. Mm-hmm. I thought I had that one. Shannon <laughs> 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 uh, Jetson, uh, artistic director. We started all over again. And Samantha Spies, artistic director, Urban Bush Women. Uh, join us to talk about the company show Hair and other stories. They're here for one night, and tonight's not the night, it's tomorrow, um, 8 to 10 p.m. at the School of Arts and Culture at the Mexican Heritage Plaza, 1700 Alum Rock Avenue in San Jose. And then they're off to, I think, Ohio. Is that where you all are going next? Or Denver? Somewhere Iowa. not close. Off Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, you could. Iowa City, yeah. So I guess if you really enjoy the show, you can get your tickets. You might be able to get a good deal. It's kind of late notice. Um, So you might just want to try to make this one and just savor the experience. Um, (laughs) How are both of you doing? Doing well, thank you. 
Excellent, excellent. So before I read your bios, perhaps you could tell us, um, you know, just the title, um, Hair and Other Stories. Wow, it's just so intriguing. You know, you think about black women and their hair, right? You think about mm-hmm. hair as, as a metaphor, you know, for power. Um, yeah, there's just something about black hair, right? Um, and these other stories. Yeah, talk about, you know, the show coming up. And uh, and then we'll get more into um, the company and, and your roles within the company. Right. So absolutely in terms of hair being this very loaded metaphor that we can dive into um, very textured conversation with. And so um, hair and other stories, the genesis of it comes um, for us back in 2001 when our company toured a work called Hair Stories, which actually came to this area um, around that time. And uh, we fast forward about 17 years, and myself and Samantha um, have reimagined, recreated a work based on the seeds, um, both um, the artistic seeds, but also the, um, the, the genesis of the conversation of that work to create hair and other stories. And we absolutely are using hair as this um, lens to break into conversation on systemic racism. The other stories mm-hmm. that um, branch out inside of this work have um, a lot to do with who's in the room when we're creating the work. So when we uh, build work with Urban Bushelman, we build collaboratively. And so that means that everyone who, all of the artists who are in the room um, have both the, the space, the right, but also the responsibility to be contributors from their own experiences or their own artistic um, uh, lens. And so when we broke into this conversation on systemic racism, um, it stretched inside of this collaboration of the company. Um, uh, We have a white woman that's inside of the work. So that brought different um, conversations to the table that we had to and needed to address. Um, We also, some of the other stories also really had to do with where Sam and I are really looking at um, uh, moving conversations artistically inside of the company as new leadership, really focusing on liberation. And so for us, part of the other stories is how we're embodying and how we're um, putting into practice liberation. And the systemic racism conversation becomes the necessary groundwork, the foundation for us to understand what's been done so that we can have a liberation conversation about undoing. Uh, Can I just Mm -hmm. add to that? Um, Something else that um, uh, I want to lift up inside of this this, this conversation that we're having around systemic racism is our partnership with the People's Institute um, for Su- Survival and Beyond, also known as PSAB. Um, yeah. Uh, they offer an undoing racism um, uh, workshop that just allows us mm-hmm. to unpack, to understand um, systemic racism, institutional racism, uh, oppression, and how that manifests through, um, um, how it manifests through, you know, everyday um, life, everyday living um, inside of all of us, and and also working to um, dismantle that. Um, so we, we are in deep partnership over 20 years um, with the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond, um, and they've been um, a really integral um, part of the, the creation of this work. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, 
the People's Institute, you know, they're out of New Orleans, and um, is that Ron um, is uh, the founder of that? Absolutely, Ron's one of the founders. And New Orleans has yeah, been a second yeah. home to us, so we've done a lot of training with them um, in their home space mm-hmm. in addition to them uh, being in New York. Right, right. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. Um, <laughs> so you can give a shout-out uh, to my hometown and, and to Ron and his great work. And then you're also, um, you know, here, um, I guess, in, in a collaboration with um, or um, hosted by uh, Vera uh, Y uh, and Tabia. And I was wondering um, if you could talk about that relationship because it seems that it's one that's um, – a textured one that you have had for a while now. So when the company came with hair stories, which, you know, I actually, I can't recall the year, it probably was 2002, I want to say. It was, it was some time Mm -hmm. ago. That was, um, it was, it was their efforts that brought, that brought the um, company here. And, Mm -hmm. um, Along with there, there was also um, uh, uh, visual artists that they brought to to um, really hold that conversation around race, and uh, they've been they've been staying in awareness with the, with the organization throughout that period of time. And um, what I really want what I really want to lift up with the, like the earnest of like of their being in relationship with the company is that we've had several different um, uh, administrative shifts since the last time that we've been here, but they've mm-hmm. been the, the through line that, that has stayed in, in relationship with, with Urban Bushelman. So when we actually, when we um, connected with them on, on land and uh, ground here in California, there, there weren't tons of people from, um, from Urban Bushelman who had been here um, uh, who were who were here when the company was last here? So so um, mm-hmm. so they they, uh, they really hold a lot of the um, the um, the efforts of 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 holding of of nurturing that comp- that um, that relationship with Urban Bushman over the years. So we really celebrate them um, um, doing the hard work to bring us back here um, to, con- to uh, continue this conversation, especially where we're stretching this conversation. You know, as as Sam just uh, lifted up the work of PSAP, um the company has grown so much in our analysis and because of the state of where our country is right now, the stakes are much higher for us to have this really needed conversation right now. So um, really lift up them bringing up, bringing us here in this um, what is very bold and audacious work. Uh, something mm-hmm. else that I would like to highlight is um, just the the – alignment with the the amount of years that um Tavia has been in operation and the amount of years the Urban Bush woman has been um has been mm-hmm. operating. Tavia will be going into their thirty fifth anniversary next year, wow. I believe. Um and Urban Bush woman just celebrated their thirty our thirty fifth anniversary. Um oh. This year, so I think it's something to be um, mm-hmm. to be celebrated as far as the longevity of um, of you know the work that um, that Tabia and Urban Bushwoman have been doing, um, how they've been uh, sustaining um, in the field uh, in the arts field for as as a as a black 
um, run, you know, organization um, with, you know, black programming, um, it's, it's, it's to be celebrated because as we know, um, it isn't a very easy, um, easy um, thing to do um, to, 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 to be um, um, pushing the field and and to be sustaining and to be thriving in 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 in, uh, in this kind of field as uh, as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, you know Urban Bush Women, the company, and and what what brings you to the company. Um, because uh, both of you um, have, you know, really e- extensive um, uh, expertise, you know, in in performing arts and also education, and um, and so you didn't have to necessarily, um, you know, decide to be a part of this company. I was just wondering, sort of, if you could talk a little bit about about this this company. And I just love when I first heard of the company, and I didn't realize uh, it had been that long. Um, Urban Bush Women, I just like saying it, Urban Bush Women. It's sort of bringing <laughs> the diaspora together, you know, within one context. I mean, it's sort of like all of us um, mm-hmm. uh, are included in Urban Bush Women. And, and the first performance that I, I ever attended was the one um, at your Buena Center for the Arts when um, when um, Jewel Gomez's um, story, book, novel, was um was reimagined um in in a performance and it was the um the gilded gilded tales and and I wanted to see it just because it was urban bush women I'm afraid of vampires but I'm from New Orleans it's like okay and and Jewel said you can do this Wanda you can you can you'll be able to sleep at night you'll be able to like turn off your lights and it was just so wonderful um and uh yeah <laughs> and that was a while back and and I've been you know, a fan ever since. Yeah, Sam's laughing at me because that's the first piece that I saw of Urban Bushwoman as well. And, you know, after <laughs> I saw that concert, um, I went up to the company members and like, how do I get in? What do I have mm. to do? And uh, as part of what um, makes the work so um, dense and far-reaching is that Urban Bushwoman, we're storytellers. And um, that that can happen in uh, various different ways. It can be it can be through movement. It can be through song. It can be through it can be through the holler you just heard. It, you know, it, it, there's so many different. It can be through text. And, and as artists, it means that our practice has to involve all those things. The practice has to involve vocal training. It has to involve theater. Uh, one of the ways that uh, Urban Bushwoman founder Jawale Zahler describes the company is that we have the practice of uh, theater makers inside of a dancer's embodiment and the analysis of community organizers. So all of that is how is part of how we put our both our performance work and our community work together. Um, in addition to the performing arts um, arm of Urban Bushwoman, we also have another arm called Builders, Organizers, and Leaders Through Dance, and that's our community engagement network. And that is equally as um, robust and active for Urban Bushwoman as the concert works. So there are tons of people who know us from seeing us on stage. There's another whole host of, of folks 
and the the world really that know us because we've been at their in their communities, we've been at their schools, we've been in their community centers or at their churches or places where we're invited to do work um, as organizers. And in that arm of the work, we use um, movement and the creative arts as a metaphor to investigate how we can have difficult conversations together and hold space for um, multiple experiences and truths that uh, come from different life experiences, how we can collaborate together in ways that don't um, equal with us compromising, but us expanding our understanding. And um, that has that's also rooted with our work as PSAP as well as um, the company being trained in dialogic learning and holding space um, that allows for complexities. Um, so in terms of what brought me to Urban Bushelman, you know, I had the same initial um, stir that you had, but in, in terms of what keeps me here is that we have these, um, these, these, these really um, complicated and um, really deep investigative ways of working as creative artists and also as community organizers. Um, and, and also really attracted that Urban Bushwoman requires that you are avid in your research and, and that you stay curious, that you stay investigative. Um, it's a place where I've um, I have mentors who I see constantly one-upping themselves and in, in, in growing. Um, you know, Jowale, as the founder of the company, even as she's no longer the artistic director of the company, it's because she's continuing to um, expand her realm of influence, her 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 um, sphere of knowing. It's 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 not a she's not retiring. She's 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 climbing new heights, and um, to be in a space to see. Um, uh, uh, leaders, black women leaders who I can identify with, that I can be inspired with and learn from, um, and then to have colleagues who um, um, are equally as ambitious and um, and um, uh, rigorous in their work is something that's um, just grown me a lot as an individual, I can see um, the impression of urban bushwoman not only in my artistic work and work as an organizer, but even in my work as being a mom and a wife. Uh, you know, all, all those things have been so deeply impacted by my uh, relationship with this company. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And um, uh, is this you, um, Samantha? That that I'm speaking to presently. That's, that was uh, Shannon speaking. Okay, Shadon. Okay, yeah, I don't, don't you? I'm not okay. familiar with your your voices just yet. Um, so maybe no. you could preface. Um, yeah, but I wanted okay, to read your it. bio because um, I didn't get a chance to do that yet. Uh, so Shannon, um, artistic director again, joined the critically acclaimed Urban Bush Women in 2001. She has had the privilege of serving the company as rehearsal director, director for Urban Bush, I guess two, uh, Urban Bush. Uh, UB2 Urban Bush Women's Performing Apprentice Ensemble and now furthers her work with UBW as co-artistic director and co-director of Bold Builders, Organizers, and Leaders Through Dance. I like your your names and acronyms. Those are really cool. Uh, Shannon and Samantha are choreographic, choreographic directors for UBW's New Evening Length Work, Hair and Other Stories, which we're talking about right now. In collaboration with uh, Rael Myrick Hodges, did I pronounce Rael? 
Rael's first name correctly? Yes. Okay. Uh, Shannon is a recipient of APAP Leadership Fellowship Cohort 2. What does APAP stand for? Can you say that again? I'm sorry. What does APAP Leadership, what does the APAP stand for? Oh, APAP, thank you. So um, APAP is the Association of Performing Arts. Um, (laughs) Sorry, we're we're navigating a a little one right here. So so APAP is um, a a performing arts presenting network um, that um, uh, is, is, a place that we um, in the field we really celebrate with being um, a connector for artists, presenters, producers, um, um, both in ways, uh, uh, both in connecting and, and how we build work collaboratively, but also it's a space of learning. So what I really appreciated mm-hmm. from the um, APAP was that um, generally, as um, as an as an artist. Um, uh, um, artistic leader, I'm not always in state I'm not always in learning spaces and conversations with folks who are on the other side of the table that I'm often negotiating with. And so APAP as a network um uh makes efforts at drawing the connection so that happens more um uh robustly. And through the leadership fellows program it's they that's their real strong hand at saying we're actually gonna take a handful of folks and create um space and time for this cross-sector learning and building together and, and in this and this um, uh, program really with a specific charge that um, we're not just learning together but that we're challenging the field to learn to learn and grow from the things that we're pushing into in terms of making the field um, reflect the ways that folks are building right now and the conversations that we believe they need to be having Mm, nice, nice. Well, congratulations. That's a recent uh, uh, fellowship. Um, yeah, that was. Um, and uh, the director's lab Chicago fellowship, 2018. Additional credits include Taylor Max 24-Hour Spectacular, uh, a 24-decade history of popular music, Cotton Club Parade, Warren Carlisle, Prophecy Dance Company's Kwame Ross, and the Tony Award-winning musical Fela. That was Bill T. Jones. Your commercial credits include Victoria's Secret, Victoria's Secret Live, uh, L'Oreal Live, The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, uh, Apple Watch, and the Michael Jackson 30th Anniversary Concert. Um, does that mean that you were a choreographer in, in these particular productions? In those productions, I was a performer. Um, in the Taylor oh, Max uh, production, okay. I, I um uh, assisted and did some um, small choreography alongside Jawa mm-hmm. Zahler, who is uh Urban Bushman uh, founder. But the others mm-hmm. I was a performer inside of. Oh, nice, nice. Wow. Um, you are an avid arts educator, and you've served as faculty with Urban Assembly of Music and Arts High School. Um, where, where are those two places located? Are they, is that New these York? These are New York City. Yeah, these are New York City okay. public schools. Okay, and then Ailey Camp, Kansas City, Missouri, you're a site director there. 
uh, Alvin Ailey Arts and Education, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and Earl Mosley's Institute of the Arts. Additionally, uh, Shannon is the proud founder of Kumbi Center for Diaspora, Diasporic Arts, Dance, Drum. Oh, that sounds great. An Imagination Camp for Children and Family Arts Movement, LLC, offering creative movement and art making for children. Is that also in New York? Yes, those are two different organizations that are both in New York. Okay, and you're still doing all of these things? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. So um, actually, um, I've, I've done some equalizing so that I can um, really hold the things that I hold well. So with Kumbe, they are moving on with um, – they, they, the, they still hold the program that I've designed um, and the curriculum and now have another director for the camp. Um, yeah. 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 You are very busy. <laughs> yeah. And Samantha Spees, I'm going to just go ahead and just read your bio, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Samantha Spees, artistic director, is a movement art- artist based in New York City. She has worked with uh, Gazelle uh, Mason, the Dance Exchange, uh, Jumatatu. Is that how you say it? Jumatatu. Oh, Jumatatu. Jumatatu. That's a pretty. Yeah, I like that. Jumatatu Poe. That's a pretty name, Jumatatu. Uh, Deborah Hay, as part of the Sweet Day curated by Ralph Lemon. Uh, is it Lemon or Lemon? Lemon. Lemon at uh, Museum of Modern Art. Uh, Marjani Fort and Liz Lerman. Uh, she's currently a member of the Skeleton Architecture a collective of black women, uh, W-M-Y-N, and gender nonconforming artists who use the practice of improvisation to create, organize, advocate, gather, play, and challenge. Spees was a 2012 recipient of the Alvin Ailey New Directions Choreography Lab and recently was awarded a Betsy for Outstanding Performer. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, you need another one now, though, because it's like seven years later. Um, but that's good, though. <laughs> um, uh, Samantha's work has been featured at the Kennedy Center, um, the Millennium Stage, um, Long Island University, Joyce Soho, Hollins University Dance Space Project, Dixon Place Dance Place, and the Kelly Strayhorn Theater. Speed Solo the way it was and now, was commissioned by the Jerome Foundation to be performed at Dance Space Project for the Parallels Platform Series and was later invited to the K-Fick Dance Festival in Hi Dakar. Fetch. Dakar. Oh, Kafek. Is that Kafek? Oh, Kafek. Fetch. Fetch. Yes. Fetch. Am, I, am I hearing T? Uh, you're hearing, uh, what is that, Fetch. Uh yeah. Uh, oh, I guess, okay. like if you're going to fetch okay. a ball or... Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Ka Fetch, uh, Dance Fest Dakar, Senegal. She has developed a teaching practice that explores pelvic mobility as the root of the powerful locomotion and as a point of connection to the stories, experiences, and lineages that reside in each of us. I want you to talk more about that. That sounds really cool. Um she has been a guest artist and taught workshops throughout the United States, South America, Senegal, you travel, and Europe. Recent projects include Walking with Train, 
co-choreograph with uh, the founder of Urban Dance, um, Urban Bush Women's uh, Jawali Willa Joe Zalar, and her collaboration with, say it again, Jawale. Jawale, thank you. Jawale Willa Joe Zalar, and her collaboration with Shannon Jetson Johnson and Rael Myrick Codges on hair and other stories, which brings us back to the present. Ah, so, and so um, the little one, um, what is the child's name, and um, and who does she belong to, he or, he or she? <laughs> uh, uh, um the one who's making noise right now or sound is Aisha, and then Aminata is quietly sitting um, on the other side of the room. She's three. Uh, they both belong to me. <laughs> and the community. Uh, of and the we, we all claim them. All kinds of aunties. And if, uh, for folks who um, uh, be at Hair and Other Stories tomorrow night, you'll actually get to see one of them um, uh in the piece. Really? Ah, yes. nice, nice. That's great. Wow. So, um, uh, well, we're going over a little bit. Hopefully, um, the young ones will be patient, and you have a few more minutes. Um, do you have a few more minutes? Yes. Okay. Cool. I mean, you can check in and ask. You know, first, like you've been really quiet, and can mommy? Auntie, have a few more minutes. I mean, I'm, I can wait. <laughs> you know, while you check in, because well, um, the seven they're being really patient. Aisha, she's gonna, she she's gonna do what she mm-hmm. she's gonna do. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, but but I was really really curious about um you know this uh you know this this pelvic mobility as a root of power locomotion and a point of connection. Um, you know, that's where the power is, right? Um, there's there's a lot of power in that area of our bodies, you know, those that um are in this particular form, you know, woman. And uh and to be able to like channel that, that's like really, really cool. Um, because a lot of times that part of our bodies is shut down, um and, and trivialized and exploited. So, um, yeah, I just wonder if you could talk about that a little bit as as choreographer. Um, absolutely. So everything that you just mentioned it has been a part of um, um, my my practice in um, in shifting um, shifting the lens of how we how society, specifically how society um, has uh, placed a very specific narrative on on the body and particularly black women's bodies, um, black women identifying bodies. And so... um, so my work, without even really having known about it years and years ago, um, but just doing it, um, I, I'm able to actually verbalize it now that this this is um, this is a part of how I 
move as an artist, how I move through life as a, you know, a, a person, as um, a, a mother, a daughter, a sister. Um, and so how can I be in my full self um, uh, and own that and, and claim that um, and and reclaim um you know those aspects of myself that have have been um have have been um diminished um um through you know through uh the ideology of of um things that are coming out through society so um so I started developing a practice um and and I also you know I, I think of myself in, as an improviser because I am, um, and not just a movement impro- improviser, but a, an improviser in life. And so um, so a great deal of that practice um, came has come through um, just being in, in a, a place of embodied research, um, being in a place of duration, um, being in a place of 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 um what I would call home base, we often talk about like what our mother tongue is um and so that mother tongue is not it's not where the formal dance training has started it's 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 the experiences that um you know that that we have that I've had you know as as a small child as you know as someone in in uh in young adulthood as a baby you know as as um uh or even being inside of my mother's womb and so having that understanding of like there is a root there's um there's a powerful source for which I come from and we all come from and so if we can tap into that and 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 often when I when I'm doing this work I I I refer to the pelvis to um as like the womb area um the 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 area where you know where um there's this seed and and it's nurtured uh and it's a, you know and through being nurtured it it you know it develops it blooms it 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 it, it becomes us and 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 you know that seed is encased with you know these memories and experiences and um lineages and 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 you know stories that make um us up and, um, and so it's really just about you know using um that to allow us to be full and present in our bodies um um and to and to claim to claim to claim that um fully and um so that's that richness the richness of of who we are um and that's something that I didn't speak to it earlier but that's something that was really powerful when I first um was introduced to urban bushwomen uh and seeing them perform live and in the performance I saw that it was at the Kennedy Center and uh in in Washington DC and uh the the works they performed was um uh walking with uh Africa Diaries and walking with uh Southern Diaries um pearl yeah the pearls as we call them um um 
uh, Walking with per- with Pearl um, Africa Diaries, um, Walking with Pearl Southern Diaries. Thank you, Shannon. Um, mm-hmm. And I was fairly new to to formal dance training at that time. I think I might have been in uh, my third year, third or fourth year of of of, um, of actually training um, in um, formally in dance, and and I was just blown away. I was excited. I was, um, I felt like I had a place, like, um, in, in, in witnessing, you know, these women, um, performing who all looked very different, but at the same time, you know, were rooted in, um, in, in the diaspora. Um, and, all very different investigating in their bodies, in their artistry, um, in in very different ways. And I felt like I see each one of these performers. And I had never experienced that before. Um, uh, and particularly not being a young dancer, a young black um, woman dancer, you know, in 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 college at that time. Um, so it was very affirming, um, to see that. And so I too thought, Oh, I, I need to be in this. I need to be a part of whatever this is, because this is, this is larger than just being on a stage. This is bigger. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know all of, you know, what, um, it was, but I knew that it was, it was it was much bigger than than myself than the the women who were on the stage um that there was a there was a larger um, there's a larger force um that was guiding this work um of urban bush women so i it, through you know through that it 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 you know it being inside of this work and inside of this this company it just it has left room it has you know given room for me to be in a a durational process of investigation um investigating um of affirmation of um of you know challenge of discomfort of pushing into pushing through um um yeah. Hmm. Wow, that is really beautiful. And I was just wondering, um, are you published around this particular um practice that people can can, you know, find it articulated, um, whether that's in in an essay or a book or um a you know, a performance piece, you know, where you, you sort of talk people through it because um, you know, what you're talking about is so important, um, you know, sort of looking at the womb, the womb space as sacred, as the the space that holds memory, the space that holds the history of our people, and a space that's been violated over and over and over again, you know, uh, intentionally, you know, by, you know, a lot of folks, um, <laughs> um, particularly, you know, the colonial um, mind and uh, and its movement, you know, from way back when to the present and, and a lot of its different iterations. So I was just thinking, like, wow, that's really awesome. And, um, yeah, so is it somewhere where people can can look it up to study and, and sort of 
arm themselves and their wombs in this practice. Um, practice. Right. Right now, I mean, there's nothing that has been um, that I've specifically published. Um, You know, people who have an experience with me, like, you know, coming to a workshop or to a class or um, Mm -hmm. I would even say, you know, um, in, you know, in performance, um, you know, how, how they witness, how they receive what is, what is felt through what they're experiencing as far as, you know, what it is that they're seeing. Um, those are ways that this, this has been shared, this information has been shared, you know, this practice has been shared. Um, we are looking into having, um, something published around this, um, in the near future, um, just you know, just to put it out there, but there's nothing that's like necessarily you know, codified and or you know named as oh this is like a you know this is a technique or this is you know it's 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 um it's specific and it wants to have the room to um to to grow as as i said i'm uh i'm um being in a in a durational process is something that is so um, important to me, um, and I've dedicated myself to being inside of that kind of process because of how, you know, it just, it, it leads to transformation, it leads to, um, to, to the, um, the opening of, um, possibilities and doors, um, for learning um so so you know this has been something that i've been you know in a durational process for 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 years and years and years um and and there's more i think to to be learned but um definitely um to to be able to share it is also part of learning and and growing and, and nurturing um nurturing the practice. So it is definitely something that um I am, you know, looking to um to do more of and mm-hmm. to share it. Yeah. Because um, I'm not the only person who, you know, I'm sure has has been inside of that um mm-hmm. in a way where I've had to grapple with, you know, mm-hmm what that is or yeah. to celebrate it as mm-hmm. well. It's a celebration. And so that's also mm-hmm. something, you know, that, you know, that I want to lift up is that this is, you know, it's, I mean, it, it it's incredible how powerful, you know, how mm-hmm. powerful and how foundational for me my pelvis is. And it, and it's just something that like I, you know, am in celebration of, um, while inside yeah. of discovering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I think about, you know, Eve Ensler's The Vagina Monologues. However, those stories are from a place of exploitation. However, what I hear in in your practice is that the pelvis is powerful and the pelvis, pelvis you know, sort of realize it, realizes its power and can use it, um, you know, as, as an energizing kind of force you know, from, from it sounds like from the philosophical context that that you are exploring or you have explored. So anyway, I was just thinking, hmm, nice counter argument here and, and it's definitely, you know, African centered. Um, you know, when you think about our movement and how, 
you know, it's both practical and it's beautiful. You know, that's where life starts, so in the hips, right, um, in that particular area. And, and so it's both sacred and it's beautiful and uh you know, and it's, and if people realize the power, there wouldn't be so much shame connected to, you know, that part of our person, um, which some say, you know, is the most sacred part of our person. You know, the heart, you know, sort of like that heart center. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. And also, I wanted to ask you because um, I know we're kind of like running out of time here. Um, if you could uh, maybe um, share, uh, or if you have any thoughts around. Uh, the whole um, this period we're in presently, sort of looking at like Me Too, um, the Me Too movement, and um, and that movement, you know, is is another African-centered woman uh, um, named movement that didn't really get any kind of um, uh, airplay <laughs> um, until recently, and. Um, and I was wondering if you could sort of talk about, you know, this this wonderful company, but particularly around this piece that you all are bringing to San Jose or that you have brought to San Jose. Um, you might be in town. I think you're in town, so tomorrow is the show, but you're you're on the ground. Um, you know, sort of looking at um, women of African descent um, and, and where they find themselves, you know, within this discourse about agency and power um, as, as women. So we're absolutely aware of the synergy of us doing this work in the current climate. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we, um, that we lift up that is really the story of many organizers coming out of um, uh, the black community where we've been inside of this work for the long haul is that our charge um, is what our charge has always been. When Galilee created the company in 1984, um, part of the thing, uh, one of her impetus was being inspired by the Black Arts Movement and all of the responsibilities that artists um, uh, really uh, held as the work must be accessible, the work must be for the people, the must the work uh, has a responsibility to speak to with the social, civic, political climate, like those were things that artists really um, held as part of their charge. Mm-hmm. That's always been at the, at the belly of Urban Bushelman, telling stories that are undertold. And so when we look at this current climate, for us it means that, um, you know, we, we celebrate that we see other folk galvanizing, doing the work. It means that we stay our course. We um, we we're we're um, this is these conversations have been for urban bushwomen pressing conversations for 35 years, always lifting up um, black women not just um, in our bodies, um, but also our our the modalities that we understand of organizing, lifting up, um, lifting up the sciences and the culture and the, and, the, and the ways of knowing from the African diaspora. That's always been part of the work. Um, and what we want to be careful of is that we don't become um, reactors as, the, as, as um, 
one piece of politics becomes um, um, gets a moment of shine, you know, but that we stay our course. Um, and yes, yeah, so for that, for so for us, it means that there's absolutely some alignment with the Me Too movement, and we we're not. Um, it it does it doesn't mean a, a a shift in years from how we're working. Say that last part again. It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean a shift in gears. It doesn't. Um, you know, we we got lots of folks asking us similar questions um, um, as we entered. Uh, you know, the, the Trump era. Like, how now does urban bushwoman? You know, you know, what work do you do now oh. as we enter this mm-hmm. time? And you know, and and I and I think that it's a it's a very similar uh, conversation. We've we've positioned mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, through our research, through our efforts, through through the work that we've been knee deep in, to be able to respond, but we're not in a, you know, but, but we're um, we're we're not we're not um, positioned to have to react to every shift because oh, right. we're we're um, we're at you know we're we're adamantly active inside of the body of work that we've always been committed to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that the Me Too movement has definitely given us new allies. There, you know, there, there, there are folks who are um, who are able to um, um, recognize and, and see synergy and um, and uh, work that they're now um, gravitating to. That that um, urban bushwoman um, is um, has has long time been grappling with, and so in that way, it's um, it's um, in some ways. Um, Amplified our organizing, um, um, but it, but not a course switch. If that right, makes sense. right. Okay. Oh yeah, to- definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah. You already were doing the work. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I was just wondering with the the other stories that you're telling, um, uh, how many other stories are you telling, and and who are these other stories? I mean. Um, that you're telling, uh, like whose stories are these other people? Um, are they fictional? Are they real? Like they live and walk with us um, uh, in a tangible way? Um, are they ancestors? Um, everything you just named. <laughs> Every, oh. every everything <laughs> you just named, and and I think that um, really kind of brilliantly. Um, I, um, I hope that you'll be seeing the work, and and when. Um, and if so, tomorrow you'll be able to see connections to um, that statement of, you know, are these stories the folks who are on the stage? Are they the ancestors? Are they are these stories the folks who are seated on the other side of the stage? Are they telling our stories to the audience? All of those are part of the answer, um, and in mm-hmm. in some very um, transparent ways, we we call on all of those. We call on the stories of those who have um, been in this this work of of, um, of undoing and examining racism. Our ancestors. We 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 call the work calls on them both metaphorically and you know literally. We call on the stories and the experiences of those of folks who are seated in the audience, literally. Um, there are times in the piece where you see testimonies or you'll experience testimonies from the performers. And so there are some um, actual things that were drawn um, where the work draws on the life experiences of the performers. And then there's some things in the work where we use our own experiences um, or research as the genesis for something and then fictionalized it through the art-making process. So all of those are part mm-hmm. of the answer. 
And I would say, right. in addition to some of the others, the other ways in which this work is fed, um, that that um, in community engagement arm, the builders, organizers, and leaders through dance, one of the um, mainstays of that is that we have a summer leadership institute every year. Um, that mm-hmm. uh, it's a 10-day institute where, um, again, uh, Urban Bushelman, along with PSAP, um, bring artists, organizers, folks who just want to be in this conversation of where art-making and civic engagement meet at the scene, uh, where those come together. And we uh, have a 10 Ten day deep dive with research, with art making, with um, with shared learning, and so there's um, that's always that's also a big um, space where we um, where um, we we can we continue to fuel our work. Um, uh, uh, this this past years and also this coming years soon, um, uh, the the research is under the umbrella of when Black women plus prevail, we all prevail. Uh, erase no more, um, which I think also speaks to the last conversation we just had of like if, of how Urban Bushland is is continuing in the same body of work, but um, really um, taking the, um, the 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 fire of the moment and and um, and, and, and moving inside of that current. Hmm. Wow! Yeah. Well, this is really, really wonderful um, having this this conversation with you, and and thank, and thank you so much. Um, you know, I want to thank your children for for um, just being so patient because um, we went over a lot, and uh, and thank you for your generosity, <laughs> um, uh, Shannon Jetson, artistic us. director, and, and Samantha Spees, our. Um, uh, are you both artistic director? I think artistic uh, director. Yeah, we're yeah. shared leadership. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the Urban Bush Women. And I want to let people know that they can visit urbanbushwomen.org to find out where you all are going to be next and about all of these great programs and initiatives and to read more about the company. And we didn't get a chance to like for you to just even name your company that's going to be performing tomorrow. Do you have time to like to shout their names out? Sure, a loving shout-out, and I hope we don't miss anyone. Uh, Courtney Cook. Stephanie Moss, Dubois Akeem, Keisha McKee. Did everyone? Okay. Yes. Samantha C. Shannon Judson. Okay, cool, cool. Well, oh, thank yeah, you again so much. Uh, oh, and what say it again? Aminata. Aminata, yes. And uh, and then who's the baby? Say the baby again. The baby's name. That's Aminata. Oh, Aminata. That's okay. Yeah, that's what you'll be seeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but, you know, just sort of supporting you all, um, the infant. Um, oh, the infant I just support. Thank yes. you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, you take good care and have a good rest of the day and look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. You're welcome. All right, you too. Peace and blessings. So we're going to conclude the show with uh, Desert Roses Ubuntu. And I want to remind people that the uh, Black IP Festival is tomorrow um, on the lawn at Oakland Tech. Oakland Tech is on Broadway, Broadway uh, in Oakland, California. And I'm trying to think of what are the cross streets where you're going toward, um, you're going up Broadway toward, um, toward, Montclair, Piedmont, that area, and um, yeah, you can't miss it. It's a huge school. It's got this 
uh, columns and architecture that um, is sort of like Renaissance architecture. And uh, Black IP Festival is going to be really, really awesome. And I think it starts about 10 in the morning or something like that. I'm not quite certain. I'm just doing all this from memory. But I do, I do know it's tomorrow. Tomorrow in the daytime. So you could actually do both. You can go to the Black IP Festival and then you can um, get on the road um, for the um, Urban Bush Women presenting hair and other stories 8 to 10 uh, at the School of Arts and Culture at the Mexican Heritage Plaza, 1700 Island Rock Avenue in San Jose. All righty. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings. Hey, hey.